the first thing is to understand the risk appetite of a company and what they are willing to spend in order to protect their data. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. Do you know the difference between a managed service provider and a managed security service provider? While they may have similarities, today's guests tell me that there are some important differences between the two, starting with the fact that managed security service providers lead with a security and risk-first approach. Today, Sean Richardson and Jorn Backstrom, leaders on Ray's cybersecurity and data protection services team, are here to explain these differences and why your business should be paying attention to who is responsible for your data. Welcome to Unsuitable, Sean and Jorn. Hey, Doug. How are you? Thank you. Great to have you guys on. And boy, this topic is is really at the forefront of, I think, one of the most important things happening right now. And, and perhaps that's just a little, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased because we've had some clients going through these situations here, unfortunately. I know, Sean, you're in the, in the midst of a, an incident response right now, which maybe we'll get into yeah. a little bit. But talk a little bit about these terms here. Managed service provider, that's something I hear quite a lot. Right. It, you know, it, it seems like as accountants, we hear that when we're out talking to businesses, but I don't hear this MSSP, managed security service provider, as much. So, Sean, maybe you can enlighten us a little bit what, what the sure, difference is uh, there. The, the really, Doug, the biggest difference is, is think of uh, managed service providers as um, folks that keep the lights on, keep the network running, ensure that computers are fixed uh, it, when, when broken, make sure that people can communicate. It's uh, frankly, it's the, the A in the CIA model. And what, what the CIA model is, is just the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information in networks, data, identities, and so on. That triad, really, they focus more on the availability of computers and networks and information systems. Their job is to make sure that they, they are focused on, on solely that. Now, frank, frankly, some, some of them in the last you know, five to 10 years have pivoted a little bit, but, but then you get in the, the space of kind of being everything to everybody and focusing less on you know, uh, security and more on just availability of, of those information systems and data and, and identities. You know, so, so Jorn actually uh, leads uh, our managed security and information technology practice. He's, he's our manager in, within that practice. And so he oftentimes sees uh, the stark difference between those two concepts. You know, a managed service provider okay. offering those solutions, just daily solutions, and really a managed security provider looking at the risk. And, the, and you know, it's a data-first type approach for us. 
Okay. So, so Jarn, talk to me a little bit about that, that kind of data first approach and, and the risk and, and what, are, what are the things we do to mitigate that? Yeah. So um, just for an example, I don't know how many times I've walked into a company, small to mid-sized business. Um, they have an MSP, but they don't really know what that MSP is doing. And they don't know anything else beyond that. They just know this person is here. They're supposed to be keeping my lights on with the computers. And beyond that, they have no visibility into the security of their information systems and their data. So, you know, a lot of times I walk in and and can easily point out huge vulnerabilities uh, with these companies because that's not what an MSP is there to do. They're just there, keep the computers running, keep everybody happy. If the phones are ringing, then then we're good to go. So the security part really doesn't play much, if at all, into what those quote-unquote MSPs do, correct? Correct. Yeah. Because yep. one of the things we, we hear, you know, and we go out to a client, I'm talking to them about this stuff, and I, you know, I know enough few keywords to try to identify situations, you know, to then get the experts involved like you guys. But, you know, when you ask them, they say, oh, we've got this, you know, great MSP and, and you know, all our stuff's up in the cloud. So we're good. So I, I'm sure you hear that too. So Sean, talk a little bit, you know, when people say that though, what, what are they missing? Yeah. So I'll be direct. Like the, the biggest mistake there is, is, you know, just just making that statement that, you know, we're in the cloud, so we're good, right? Um, you know, so data has an identity. So so that what does that mean? Data, it, it's tied to someone's identity. It's tied to, to some action or some project or, frankly, as everyone's very well aware, you know, HIPAA data, healthcare information, private uh, identifiable information, you know, confidential information as it relates to businesses. Um, maybe it's a manufacturing company that has a special sauce or, or, or something to that that nature. But think of it, flip it on its head, and think of it as as simple as daily things in HR that happen, right? Like you know, W twos mm-hmm. when people are sending out uh, tax returns to partners, uh, you know. Um, K1s, you know, whatever the case may be, that all has information, right? And so where I'm going at with mm-hmm. this is, is to just put it in the cloud and not put a control around it is unacceptable. It's conduct unbecoming of a of a you know of an information technologist. Uh, and 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 that's what differentiates us from you know a, an information technologist versus a security practitioner or someone that that leads with that security first approach. So so Jorn, talk a little bit about some of the controls then that that you can put around that data what what are some some things as a typical owner managed business you know mid market business that we we deal with what what are some of the things that we should be doing and thinking of well uh, you know limiting data to who needs to see it is one of the biggest things and, and a lot of people think their systems are set up the, that way and, and a lot of times they aren't so you know basing the access on credentials is huge and, and reviewing who has access to that data, what systems can touch that data. And then now, I mean, the greatest thing today is, is two-factor authentication and implementing that into that um, authentication. So, Yeah, that's, that's important. I know uh, we're working with a client now to get them ready. They're, they're a government contractor and, and there's some things they have to do to kind of upgrade their their processes and, and procedures. And that's a big part of it is the the multi-factor right. authentication. And although they 
you know, we approached this about them, approached this uh, uh, with them in the past, they really had kind of been resistant to it because, ah, it's a pain in the butt. You know, who wants to do this multi-factor authentication? So talk a little bit about that, Sean. Right. Yeah. So, so ironically, uh, that's a great, great segue into, um, to talk about, you know, the, clearly defining what controls uh, you're, you should have in place, especially if you're in a regulatory environment like your client that you're referencing, because now uh, we have what's called the, the cybersecurity maturity model certification that's required by the government. And uh, in fact, we are, our team is uh, a registered practitioner for both assessment and uh, um, uh, certification. And the firm here in the near future will actually be a registered firm, so a certified firm as well. Uh, so that that being said, we can we can actually step in in that case and walk through those levels of controls with them so that they meet those standards so they can actually do business, right? Because you know mm-hmm. there's a there's a point of time where uh, in, the, in the next few weeks and months that that they'll be held accountable to ensure that they need to have those controls before they can even do any business. So that could affect their bottom line, right? Yeah. Well, and they're looking at it too, like, you know, they, it can be a, a competitive advantage Absolutely. for them because they're getting ahead of the Absolutely. game, ahead of most of their similar size competitors. Exactly. But, uh, you know, Jordan, maybe talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you see in terms of making this all a part of, uh, you know, your culture and a living, breathing document versus say, ah, check the box, we, we did this and, and it gets thrown on a shelf and kind of you, you know forgotten about how do you how do you help instill that culture with with a client yeah i think the, the first thing is to understand the risk appetite of a company and what they are willing to spend in order to protect their data because you can put as many controls in in as as you can with as much money as you want but where is that stop limit of that appetite where I feel safe enough now that I've spent enough money and I, and I have the right controls and the right people in place to keep my data safe. And so that, that just begins with a meeting, talking it through with the, with the client, um, discussing the uh, vulnerabilities and the um, controls that they are willing to move forward with. Yeah. And then we set a plan, set a plan with them and, and, and work through it with them. So, Sean, if I'm looking at, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's the old adage, right? Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of right. cure. I know you've, you're involved in some, some uh, you know, kind of a crisis incident response now. And we've had a few of those, unfortunately, in recent months. But talk a little bit about that, that kind of lead in. So if, you know, if I do all the right things ahead of time to prepare and, and have the right things in place, you know, what you're looking at maybe in terms of, uh, uh, you know, time and energy versus then, oh my gosh, it's, it's a crisis. And we, and, and now, you know, we've either had ransomware or something like that, uh, hit us and, and we've got, you know, a real problem on right. our hands. So that's, uh, that's a great segue from Jorn's, um, touch points. And, and I'll build upon that, uh, frankly, you know, we have conversations all the time about risk appetite tied to what's, connected to their budget. In most cases, they don't even have a budget, right? And so we'll help them build Mm -hmm. that. One thing that we'll never do, though, is we'll never lead them in a direction where we accept the answer of, well, let's just do it for cheap. Let's do it for the cheapest cost possible. Mm -hmm. If we have that conversation, I typically, in most cases, will 
will stop them and, and, and explain to them the importance of risk appetite. But more importantly, one thing that we'll never do is degradate our, you know, bring ourselves down to a level where, where we're going to, you know, potentially bring risk to the business by just saying, oh, yeah, we can do that just to get the business. That's the difference between a vendor that wants to sell something and a partner that wants to build a relationship, right? And so in the case of, right. of, of this particular client, this was a, a referral from a, a, a cyber insurance representative that uh, we know and we trust. And and they also trust him. And uh, long story short, they reached out to me and our team and we engaged right away on site. We, we had conversations around, you know, what budget they had. They didn't have one. And, and in jest, they have run up until this point, they've run their business uh, very well. But in a simple form up until this point, like, so, so what does that mean? Uh, from a technology perspective, they're just operating, they come in and log into their computers. There's no real uh, single source of truth. Uh, and, and that, and that means like an active directory server or some sort of a system that controls identities, right. And, and, and talks, you know, and, and actually covers the areas that Jordan was talking about around setting clearly defined separation of duties, controls, who has mm-hmm. access to what and so on. And, and so now for our goal is for the next 25 years of them being in business, they've been in business 25 years is we want to, we, we now want to get them there. So we'll, we'll get, we'll yeah. get all the regulatory guidelines met where we, you know, we've, we've captured uh, forensics information and, and we're going to run that through some tools to get, you know, get that back to the parties that, that, that need, need that information. But, but now we're at a pivot point, right? And so again, the difference between a vendor and a partner and a relationship builder is we're at a pivot point where we want to get them so they're safe for the next 25 years. And they've all, business owners have all talked about that all week. Like we probably need to do something different. So, so that's what's kind of led to the point of where, where we're at in our conversation is, is do you have a conversation ahead of that happening? Because they could have right. been potentially down for weeks where they've been down for about 10 days, seven to 10 days has been the disruption, if you will. But, yeah. uh, but we have clients as Doug, Doug, you've alluded to, like we have clients have been down for weeks in some cases, months, and they're losing money day, day by day. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it, dealing in the in the construction world and, and commercial real estate, a lot of times I hear, well, you know, hey, they're not after me. You know, I'm a I'm a $25 million a year HVAC contractor. What do, what do they care? And and we keep trying to beat on them. You know, they do care. First of all, you're you're an easier oh, yeah. target right now. And think about all the clients that they deal with and the information that, you know, they can be a gateway to uh, you know, large public projects, maybe where they're just a, a sub or other things that that can be, you know, that can happen there. So, Jordan, talk a little bit about your experience with you know some of these clients and and trying to get them sort of prep and and over the hump. You know, do you, do you sell them on like okay, here's the ROI on this? Do you get that kind of granular, or is it more like you know, hey, here's the the real risk you have? Uh, you know, how do you really approach that and convince somebody that, hey, this is an investment that that you need to make for your business? Yeah, and I, just to reiterate real quick on what Sean said, we're, we're never there just to to sell you guys a service and to you know collect a monthly fee for for monitoring or anything like that. We we want to build a team. We want to be trusted advisors, such as a CPA. We we want to build and help your company grow. So. 
to go on with that, you know, the first thing we, we like to do is a, is a quick risk assessment and kind of just scan the network, scan the devices, scan from outside of the network and, and just see where the, the, the real security, the, the high security risks are. And then from there, basically just take those to upper management and, the, and so their team can work with our team. And we just, you know, just lay them out there, say, here's, here are the issues, here are the huge glaring open holes that are causing severe risk to your company. Yeah. And, and then we can work with you and, 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 to, and develop a plan to, to work through those holes and those threat vectors and, uh, you know, just kind of move forward with the company. And it doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily a, a major investment you know, immediately right. up front, it, it's over time, you try to, you know, again, you build the culture and the process and the procedures. But when you look at it versus, you know, Sean, we've had some recent ones here. I mean, talk about like, you know, ransomware, you think of a typical company, what what do we see right now in terms of like ransomware activity and how, how much they're asking for those? Yeah, kinds so um, I'll give you some small examples and I'll give you some much larger examples. Um, start with the smaller, more intricate ones. Building off of your point, you know, these HVAC companies or construction companies that, you know, they're doing $20, $30 million a year and they, oh, we're not at risk. Well, um, they're absolutely the first target because their controls don't exist, right? And so they're attacking their financial systems, they're attacking they're attacking their their backups. That's what the threat actors are going for, frankly. And as soon as they get control and they blow through the base basic controls that they have on in most cases a a firewall or a router that they've bought from Best Buy, you know, just to pass the network, pass the traffic, right? Uh, once they blow through that and get access to their system, they'll lock them down and then they can't operate, right? Perfect use case example uh, in a smaller organization. We've talked about this, I think, on one other podcast, and it was uh, um, a, a small uh, stove and uh, retail store in in the Amish uh, uh, community. They Yes, they have information systems, and and I've been given clearance to by the owner to to speak about his his experience because he wants everybody to kind of you know feel and, and and understand what he went through for ten days. I mean, I'll never forget it was my birthday of last year. I get the call, and two hours later, I was on his doorstep, and during COVID, you know, and and so what happened was all of his cookbooks and all of his backups were locked down. And, uh, and there comes a point where um, you talked about how much that costs, right? So there's cost of being down, there's cost of degradation to the business, potential future business. More importantly, how do you restore that data? In our case, we, we were lucky. Um, my IRT and, and forensics team uh, reached out to the extortionists and actually negotiated a, a reduced cost. The business owner made that decision and uh, we got the data back. Uh, we, of course, forensically captured the data, tested it, make sure it was good, and, and they were back in operation in about six days. So a positive outcome there. Another use case, there's several, but as of late, uh, I was actually having dinner with um, the CEO of this company last night. Her husband chimed in and said, I have a friend that's in a $3 billion steel company, and they have been down for six months. And the first wow. 30 days, they lost almost a million dollars a day. Think about that. I mean, soak that in wow, for a minute. Yeah. I mean, that's, and you don't believe that you're a, a target. 
Probably just yeah. I mean, it goes back to what Jordan said. I mean, our approach is, is very, you know, difference between a vendor and a partner in a relationship organization like ours is we, we want to build that relationship. But more importantly, I want to understand your business. I want to reduce your risk first. Right. Let's get you there. Right. Let's let's get you safe. Uh, we talk about that all the time. Find anything that's hot, sharp and dangerous, mitigate it right away and then get you safe. Yeah. I love that. That's that's a great synopsis there. So, Jorn, any any final uh, words of wisdom that that you might have as uh, as we move on? I, I love Sean's uh, Sean's tagline there. I'm gonna have to remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I can beat that one. That one's pretty good. But you know, everybody's a target. Is just that. What's the old saying? Like, if you haven't yet been hacked, you you probably just don't know it yeah, or something so like you don't that. Think you've been I, hacked, you probably just don't realize it that you have. No. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're all at risk and uh, it's best like anything today. I mean, you've got to get real professionals involved, like, you know, like yourselves, because, uh, you know, I know enough to be dangerous and a few of the, like I said, the keywords, but you've just got to make people aware there's, it's such great risk that they have to their, their businesses and, and frankly, also personal lives and, and well being because of that. So again, make sure, uh, it, it truly is, it's preventive medicine. It's, it's not unlike the fact that we go to the doctor or dentist for, for checkups right. and do the things to, to do the, you know, uh, the right, maintain the right health. And it's no different in your, uh, in your cyber health. So, well, Sean and, and Jorn, uh, really enjoyed having you on today. And I know we'll have you on again soon. Thanks. We could, uh, talk about this, uh, you know, I know all day and look forward to getting into some future examples, uh, as well. Absolutely. So, so thanks again thanks. for, uh, for coming on and certainly if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of unsuitable, please visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 